am free indeed. I am free. I am free indeed. We are free. We are free indeed. We are free. We are free. We are free indeed. Glory, glory, hallelujah. You threw my shackles in the sea. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Jesus is my liberty. Glory, glory, Someday I'll fly away on your amazing grace. Your love is my jailbreak. I'm going free. I'm going free. Amen. Grace sing. Would you turn around and greet those around you in Jesus' name this morning?
All right. Well, a couple of announcements to share with you this morning. Um, first of all, we want to recognize our high school and college graduates. So if, if you know of someone in the church or you are someone in the church who is graduating, please come and let me know. This is the last time we're going to announce this. So if you know of someone uh, or you are someone, please come and see me so that I'm able to make sure we recognize them. Um, if we don't know, if, if we're not told, we're, we're not sure, and we're not going to be able to recognize them. So we really, really need uh, to have you come and share that with us. Um, there will be no prayer meeting or youth group tonight due to the Memorial Day weekend. VBS dates are set July 17th through the 21st. Please put that in your calendar. Please put that in your calendar. Um, let's open our service with a word of prayer today. Lord, we are so thankful to be in your presence. We're here for you today. Lord, we ask that you would speak truth into our hearts and to our souls. Father, may we hear from you. May we hear the words that you want us to hear. Father, remove any distractions this morning. Break down any walls that are up. Tear off any chains that we brought in with us. Because we're here for you and for you alone. And we know that you are the chain breaker. Lord, we ask that you would, Father, fill this place this morning. May everything that is said and done here be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount i'm fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of god here to rescue me from danger and oppose his precious blood his precious blood oh to grace how great a debtor, daily I'm con 
and strength to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Thank you, John and Amanda. Uh, for our prayer time this morning, um, I want to mention a few things. Uh, just learned uh, from Steve Bordner that Kim Kuppenheffer, um, a co-worker of Steve's, uh, passed away, uh, we believe, early this morning. And so uh, please pray for that family and Steve, who was a co-worker of his. Uh, also keep Anita Hatch in prayer, uh, Sarah's uh, daughter. Uh, she had a car accident a while back, and still is uh, uh, suffering from head injuries. Uh, so please keep her in prayer, as well as Linda Williams. Uh, Linda Williams is in the Harrisburg Hospital ICU unit. Um, as you recall, she, a few months ago, had a very serious infection. Uh, I'm not sure that that... Craig, you're here this morning. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. Is she still in ICU? Okay, with low blood pressure. Okay. In her back. The infection's in her back. Okay. All right, so please keep Linda Williams uh, in your prayers. Going through some very difficult times right now. And also Joyce Hoffman. Uh, Joyce is, uh, she uh, is not in the Harrisburg Hospital as it states here. Uh, but she was moved to the Kinkora Pythian home over in Duncannon for rehab. Uh, so please keep Joyce in your prayers as she uh, goes through this rehab. Um, after the rehab, Lord willing, then she was able to return home. Um, so it's not a permanent thing for her, but um, it's something that she needs right now. Um, so please keep uh, Joyce also in your prayers. So now, Father, as we come before your throne, we thank you that we can come before that throne, that, Lord, you are there for us in every way, at all times. And, Father, we thank you for bringing us together this morning. <clears throat> Lord, this is your church. We are your people. And, Lord, we have come this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the sovereign God of the universe. We thank you that you are holy. And so when we approach you, Lord, we acknowledge your greatness, your goodness. We acknowledge, Lord, that you are the all-powerful creator. We thank you for salvation as we've sung this morning, for the freedom that you have given us in Christ, the freedom of 
salvation, full and free. That's grace. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. And Lord, we know that we don't deserve your love, your mercy. But Father, you, because of that, you've given to us salvation full and free. Father, we also thank you this morning that you're a God who touches the hearts and lives of people. Father, our hearts always break when we learn of those who suffer. Father, we think of this uh, Steve's co-worker, Kim Kuppenheffer, and we do pray, Lord, that you might bring comfort now to that family. <coughs> Father, we pray for Anita this morning. We know, Lord, it's been a, a long period now of, of suffering, and we pray that you might touch her and might uh, heal these head injuries. Father, she might return to normal and, and the way she needs to be. Father, we think of Linda Williams and certainly pray for her that, Father, you might remove this infection from her back and that, Father, she might be given the strength she needs uh, to get back uh, to where um, she, Father, feels much better. And for Joyce, Father, we pray now that uh, you might use this um, home uh, in her recovery process. Uh, we pray for the rehab that all goes well, and that you, Father, might be there and strengthen her, be able to bring her to full recovery. Again, Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, we recognize that tomorrow is a special day. We call it Memorial Day. Lord, a day in which we remember those who made great sacrifices to give us the great freedoms that we enjoy. Father, as we speak to that issue and also speak about the great freedoms that have been given to us by yourself through Jesus, may, Lord, this be a time in which our hearts are filled with joy and gratitude for all the wonderful gifts <coughs> that, Father, you have given to us. And so we commit ourselves to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I wonder sometimes how much we know about holidays that we celebrate from year to year. I know most of you could clearly define what Memorial Day is. But as we're going to see in just a few moments in a video, uh, sometimes our young people, they don't really grasp uh, the importance of a holiday such as this. Memorial Day is a federal holiday in the United States for remembering the people who died while serving in the country's armed forces. The holiday, which is currently observed every year on the last Monday of May, it originated as Decoration Day after the Civil War in 1868, when the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of Union veterans, founded in Illinois 
established it as a time for the nation to decorate the graves of the Union War dead with flowers. By the 20th century, competing Union and Confederate holiday traditions celebrated on different days had merged and Memorial Day eventually extended to honor all Americans who died while in the military service. It marks the start of the unofficial summer vacation season, while well, Labor Day, of course, marks its end. Many people this time of the year visit cemeteries and memorials, particularly to honor those who have died in military service. Many volunteers place an American flag on each grave in national cemeteries. Denny, uh, during the greeting time, he asked for a few moments uh, to talk about a man uh, who served in the Army. Denny, would you come and share with us your thoughts? I didn't know this young fella as Hope's grandfather. She never knew him. He never saw his son. He had one son, her dad. He was killed in World War I in France. We think he was gassed, but we're not sure. I just would like you to remember the service that these folks, many of them we don't know, have given so that we can have the freedoms that we have. Thank you. Three teens were arrested today for defacing the Kensington Park War Memorial overnight. The destruction includes painted messages against the military and the war in the Middle East. The three teens were picked up in the early morning right. hours after evidence was left at the scene. Grandpa, something wrong? Some people sure have short memories. And those who are too young to know need to be taught. Come on, I, I want to show you guys something.
and left the vivid air signed with your honor. In the name of God and country, I learned to defy gravity. To honor my family, I lived in the belly of a beast. I fixed the hearts of iron monsters. I became a worm in the mud for dignity, for honor, for righteousness' sake, for God and country. I fought for you. I fought for you. For you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you. For you. For you. For you. For you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you, and I'd do it again. Or if you have a loved one uh, who can't be with us this morning and you would like to represent them as well, uh, would you stand right where you are, please? Would you stand? Please stand. We do thank you. And we salute you. Leonard's going to come and lead us in a couple patriotic hymns at this time. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, 520. When we recognize those who served in the service, <clears throat> I almost feel guilty because I did not serve. The government felt that I was more, worth more on a dairy farm then. But, you know, uh, thinking back, I sort of feel I shirked my duty, but... Uh, I do recognize and honor those who did serve. Three, uh, 520, oh beautiful for spacious skies. <coughs> <coughs>
you to stand with me now as we salute the flag of the United States of America. I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now I ask you to remain standing and turn with me to hymn number 525. And then those in junior church can be dismissed. 525, my country is of thee. <coughs> Thy name I love, I 
Thank you, and you may be seated. As you listen to those lyrics, uh, you heard words like these, sweet land of liberty, let freedom ring, land of the noble free, sweet freedom's song, author of liberty, with freedom's holy light. Someone has once said, to know the value of freedom, one must know the truth of this statement. All gave some, and some gave all. Some men and women had to give all of themselves so that you and I this morning can enjoy our freedom. But likewise, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, He gave all. He gave His all so that we might have freedom and salvation. I ask you to turn this morning with me to Galatians chapter 5. I chose this text because Paul speaks of the great freedom that we experience in Christ. That you and I have been given a great freedom because of our salvation. So follow along as I read these words from Paul. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, I tell you, let yourselves be circumcised. Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You're trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to let you to keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Now I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the, way, the whole way and emasculate themselves. 
you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. A very interesting text in which Paul speaks of freedom. He says we've been called to be free. We were born to be free. So what exactly is Christian freedom? What does that mean? When we speak about Christians being free, well, when we look at this context, when we look at chapter 5, we need to understand Paul's purpose for even writing this book. Why did Paul feel the need to sit down and write this book of Galatians? Well, he was reminding the church, he was reminding believers, he was reminding the church of God that Christianity is not about legalism, which leads to bondage and slavery, but it's rather about freedom and liberty. Christianity is about freedom and liberty. Paul would go to these various cities in the region of Galatia. He would go to this city and then to that city, and he would preach the gospel. He would teach truth. He would share with them how Jesus came to save people from their sins. And then he would establish new believers and establish the church. And then he would go on to the next city and then to the next and to the next. But this is what would happen. After Paul would leave these cities, these Jewish men, these Judaizers, they would then go into the very church in which Paul has left, and they would begin to preach a different gospel. That's why Paul, in chapter 1, he is irate. He is beside himself. And he speaks about these false teachers who have been preaching a different gospel, which he says <laughs> it's really not a gospel at all. There is only one gospel. He says, let these Jewish men who are preaching this false gospel, let them be anathema. In other words, let them be eternally damned. That's what he's saying. He is so upset with these men who have crept into the church and are teaching something differently than what Paul is teaching. What were they teaching? They said to these new believers... Jesus isn't enough to save you. They were saying to these new believers that there are certain things now that you have to do. Jesus was a Jew. And so you have to follow now the Jewish practices and the Jewish customs. And most importantly, you need to be circumcised. Every male Jewish child was circumcised. So Jesus is not enough. There are all these things need to be added to that salvation. You need to do all of these other things. 
and follow the Jewish ways. And this teaching became known as legalism, a system of rules and regulations in order to gain the favor and gain the acceptance of God. I have a commentary that I love by, by John Stott. And um, I always appreciate men who have uh, been studying the Word of God for so many years and they just seem to say things so well. This is what he says regarding our freedom and what Paul is speaking about here. This freedom, as we're trying to define it now in point number one, what is this freedom that Paul is talking about? This freedom as the whole epistle of Galatians. And this context in chapter 5 makes plain is not primarily a freedom from sin, but rather from the law. That's what Paul is speaking about. What Christ has done in liberating us, according to Paul's emphasis right here, is not so much to set our will free from the bondage of sin as to set our conscience free from the guilt of sin. The Christian freedom that he describes is freedom of conscience, freedom from the tyranny of the law, the dreadful struggle to keep the law with a view to winning the favor of God. It is the freedom of acceptance with God. The freedom knowing that we have been accepted and approved by God. Now, he goes on to say, since Christ has set us free, and that for freedom we must stand firm in it, and not submit again to the yoke of slavery. In other words, we are to enjoy the glorious freedom of conscience, which Christ has brought us by his forgiveness. We must not lapse into the idea that we have to win our acceptance with God by our own obedience. Do you understand what he is saying? Let me ask you a couple questions. How many of you believe that you can earn, you can earn and merit the favor of God? How many of you believe that if you just behave a little bit better, God will love you a little bit more? How many of you believe that to be accepted and approved of God, you must live a good life? Folks, you as a Christian are already accepted in the beloved. We are already approved of God. You can't do things to earn God's love. You can't do certain things to earn his approval. You are already accepted in the beloved. You know what that means? That when God looks down at you, he sees you through the righteousness of Christ and he has already approved and accepted you. So here are the Jewish teachers who are saying to these new believers, you got to do all these things. You have to be circumcised and you have to fall back into this yoke of slavery. 
And Paul is teaching that in Christ we are free. Our consciences should be free. That we don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all. What more can we do? Jesus gave his all. And now being in the family of God, it's like you parents. You love your children to death. You love them unconditionally. You may not always approve of maybe the things they do, but they're your children. There's nothing they can do to make you love them more. You love them unconditionally. You see, that's grace. In the context of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, where it speaks of being accepted in the beloved, that's in Christ. In that context, that speaks of God who chose us, God who predestined us, God who adopted us, God who redeemed us, God who forgave us. It's all by grace. God freely gave us salvation as we put our faith in what Jesus did. This is why one of those great doctrines that we believe in the church of, of eternal security, you know, that we are secure, that no man can pluck us from the Father's hand. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's mine, and I am his. And so I have this relationship, and nothing could separate that. Nothing could separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the relationship that I have now with Christ. Nothing I do can earn God's acceptance. I'm already accepted in the beloved. Not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did. And therefore, what Paul is saying is, because we know that we are unconditionally loved, because we know that God will never stop loving us and that we have already been accepted in the beloved as God looks at us through Jesus. I don't have to do A, B, and C in order to earn the favor of God. He says, stand firm. Verse 1, stand firm then in this freedom that you have. Don't go back. Don't somehow go back. It makes no sense to go back and now be entangled again in this yoke of bondage. Don't go back under the law. Don't get all legalistic on me here and follow all these rules and regulations. Move forward. Don't go back. Move forward in your freedom. You were called to be free. We were born to be free. Born again to be free. But some in this church now are being taught to abandon that freedom, abandon that new life, and follow these rules, these Jewish customs and practices, and by all means be circumcised. Now, I ask you another question. Can this Christian freedom ever be abused? <laughs> Can we abuse the freedoms that we have? Well, we can. Look at verse 13 of chapter 5. 
You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Yes, we can abuse the freedoms that have been given to us by doing what is right in our own eyes. You know, the book of Judges is all about that, isn't it? The people always were doing what was right in their own eyes. Liberty, freedom, is not a license to do evil, to do wickedness, to sin against God. It doesn't give us a license to sin. We often think, well, we're free to do anything. No, no, you're not free to do anything you please. You're free to do what God has called you to do. Christian freedom is freedom from sin, not to sin. We're not free to sin. It's not what we're saying here. He speaks of the flesh in verse 3. Uh, I believe some translations um, speak of the sinful nature uh, that lies within us. You know, don't you wish that when you became a Christian that God somehow would just take that old sinful nature and just rip it right out of you. But he doesn't do that. We spoke this morning in a membership class about Adam sinning and how that you know, we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory because of Adam's sin. And we all now are born in the world with a sinful nature. Even when we come born again and we're given the very nature of christ the old nature is not removed or abolished i invite you to turn to romans chapter 7 if you think for one moment that um you know we can live this sinless life um, let me remind you of paul's words in romans chapter 7 uh, because Paul understood the power of temptation. He understood the strength of sin. He understood that sometimes there are things that he knows he shouldn't do, but boy, he, he just can't find it in him to do those things or to not do the things he ought not do. And so we come to Romans chapter 7. And Paul is giving his own testimony here. It's not a very positive one. But he starts at verse 14 and he says this, Now we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. Notice the, 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 the power of sin that Paul describes. The strong language he uses. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I, myself, who do it. But it's sin living in me. It's this, this old sinful nature. For I know, verse 18, that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. <laughs> now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin, the sin nature living in me that does it. Strong, strong language. As Paul describes the, the power that sin has over him, the control. He calls himself a prisoner, sold as a slave to sin. Who this morning can deny the spiritual warfare that we are in? And it is because we have within us the old nature and the new nature of Christ. And therein lies the tension. We know what we should be doing, but we are tempted to do something completely different. Paul says, no longer is it I who even do it. Now, he's not making excuses. Paul is not making excuses. He's not trying to escape responsibility. He is just helping us to understand the power of, of sin and temptation. Freedom is not doing as we please, but doing as we ought. And we do it, why? Not out of obligation, not to win God's love, not out of, because God has loved us with such an unconditional love. And to know that he has loved us and Jesus Christ has given everything for us. Not out of duty, but out of love. We want to please God. Out of love, we want to do what is right. And what the scriptures say is right and what the scriptures say is wrong. Because Jesus laid down his life. Because he saved us by his grace. Because God gave us all of this and freedom as well. The desire of our hearts ought to be not to abuse this freedom, but to do everything we can to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to obey him with the strength of the Spirit of God. This freedom, can we put a price on it? The freedom that we've been given in Jesus Christ, to know the real value of freedom is to know the statement, all gave some and some gave all. Jesus gave everything for our salvation and our freedom. So how is this freedom lived out? How does Paul apply all of this? If you turn back to Galatians chapter 5, look again at verse 13. Look at Galatians 13. Let me read once again what uh, Paul says in, in this verse. Galatians, uh, I'm in Ephesians. Galatians 5, 13, he says this, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But, okay, doesn't give you a license to sin. Doesn't mean you can go out there and just live any way you want to. Do not use this wonderful freedom 
to indulge in the flesh, but rather, okay, here comes the app, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Don't indulge in the flesh, but rather, here's, here's what you need to do. Here, here's the law, all summarized. Let me just, Paul says, let me just summarize this in one statement. Here's the law. You love your neighbor just as you love yourself. The golden rule, do to others what you would have them do to you. Do to others what you would have them do to you. You know, these Judaizers, these Jewish teachers who feel they need to keep the law, you know what, it, what happens when you try to seek God's approval by the mere observation of the law? When you try to seek God's approval by rules and regulations, you know what happens? You become self-righteous. And you become one who has a very critical spirit. Think of the Pharisees. Jesus had no time for the Pharisees. He rebuked them time after time after time. Who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were a group of Jewish leaders who were drenched in legalism. Their whole life was a life of rules and regulations. Their whole life was this external, outward appearance. And Jesus spoke harshly because they were trying to seek God's approval by doing this and that and this. And they became very self-righteous, very critical of everybody around them because no one was doing what they were doing. My way is the only way. This is how you become righteous. This is how you obtain righteousness from God. This is how you seek the favor of God. You have to do these things. Oh, wait a minute. Paul's speaking here of freedom. Christianity should not be a religion just reduced to rules. Now, I'm not saying rules aren't a good thing. You know, we need rules. Parents need to give their children rules. We, I understand all of that. But if you live a life of constant rules and regulations and fall into this whole thing of legalism, you have a tendency to look at others and say, you're not doing what I'm doing, so you're not right. And I, I have the, the, all the rules and, and all the right things to do. And you become so self-righteous and proud of yourself when you do this or do that. Pride isn't something that ought to creep into the life of the Christian. Christianity is a life of freedom. It's not to be reduced to rules. It just makes one feel superior to others. I'm better than you because I'm doing these things and you're not. We've been called to be free. Not free to sin, 
Don't misunderstand me. The Bible's clear. It has do these things and don't do these things. Those are rules and regulations. Yes, we need to follow. There are some times when we make our own rules and we make our own regulations in order to attain the favor and win the acceptance of God. We're already accepted in God, in the beloved. We're already accepted by God. You can't win his favor. You can't win his love. He loves you more right now than he will ever love you because he can't love you any more than he loves you this morning. You can't merit his love. It's unconditional. The whole law is summarized in these words. Love. Go and love. Love your neighbor just as you love yourself. Treat people the way you would like to be treated. If you want to put yourself under a rule, regulate, that's the rule you ought to follow. That summarizes the entire law. Treat others as you want to be treated yourself. And love people just as you love yourself. Today we celebrate our Christian freedom. It's Sunday. And so we've obtained that freedom through Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, he laid down his life and he gave everything for us. He gave everything for us. Tomorrow, we celebrate our country's freedom, which has been obtained by men and women who also gave their all. They sacrificed their lives so that we today might be free. But when you think about it, isn't it God who gave us both? God has given us both, Christian freedom and also freedom in our country. We hear a lot today about what is going to make America great again. Is it a strong military? Is it a stable economy? Will America be great again if we just secure our borders and make our streets safe? Will America be great again if we just have a simple tax plan and maybe have a better educational system? What will change America? What will make America great again? I believe we need God back in America. If America is going to be great once again, we must bring God back to America. We in this country, we've forgotten the God who blesses us and who has given us the freedoms that we enjoy. I close with a statement from Thomas Jefferson who said these profound, profound words. God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can these liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God. Are these secure, he says? That they are not to be violated, but by his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just 
that his justice cannot sleep forever. Father, we are thankful this morning. We thank you for who you are and for the wonderful liberties that you've given to us. Father, help us to understand that it has all come from you. It has all come from above. Lord, we sit here this morning with wonderful freedom, thanking you for those men and women who have laid down their lives on our behalf. But ultimately, Lord, we know that freedom comes from above. That God, you have given us what we have today, what we enjoy, and we thank you for that. And we pray that, Father, you might move throughout this land, this wonderful land, this land that we love, that you might be given the opportunity to return, that we might say, come, God, to us once again. May we become who we once were, because, God, you have come and made a change. Move into the hearts of men and women. Move into the hearts of those who, Father, make the laws of the land. Bring great revival and salvation to this wonderful country of ours. We pray only in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hymn number 522, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Let's stand. You have to stand to sing a song like this. Let's sing and we'll be dismissed. Mine eyes have seen the glory, the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the bit where the grapes of wrath are <coughs> Swift sword, his truth is glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. On. I have seen him in the watch of a hundred circling camps. They have builded him an altar, the evening dews and damps. I can read a sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, re glory, hallelujah, our God is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet, shall never sound. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgments. 
swift my soul to serve him be jubilant my feet our god is marching on glory glory hallelujah glory glory <coughs> glory glory hallelujah god is marching on in the beauty of the lilies christ across the sea with a glory in his bosom that figures you and me as he died to make men whole let us live to make men free god is marching on glory glory hallelujah glory glory hallelujah glory glory hallelujah our god is marching on so father keep marching you're a great god you're an all-powerful god you're the God, Lord, who brings change, change into the hearts of people through salvation, change into nations as, Lord, you move into the people's lives and the country. Lord, make change, I pray, in our lives. Help us to move forward and grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Move into our country, Father. Come. We invite you to come. We invite you to bring about great change and revival. It is so greatly needed. And so we call upon your name, knowing, Lord, that you can make change, the changes that are needed. Again, we thank you, Lord, for this weekend, for the wonderful men, wonderful women, Lord, who have given their all so that we, might be able to come into this place and enjoy the freedom to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.